Mm, oh my god, I love these. You you love you don't think that's a strong word to say you love a food product? Oh my gosh, they're so good. Dave, here, try it. They're just oh, I love them. Alright, I'm gonna try it. I mean, they taste good, but I feel like my food and I have like a exchange relationship. Mm. So. Not me. I'm like all in, like everything. I'm all in with my food. Good. I love those, yeah. No, no, you don't feel like that sets you up to be exploited? Mmm. I mean, maybe if my food were a little more strategic. Yeah, I mean, you, you never know. I could so. probably really get exploited by my food if... So, and then you'd be you'd be up for it. You, it sounds like you wouldn't mind if you got exploited by your food. Maybe I I do get exploited by my food because I like fermented food, so I'm eating microbes, and maybe they're really benefiting from my eating them somehow. There you go. And so then you're you're getting exploited by love. Yeah, so. microbial love. All right. <laughs> um. So this this episode is about about love and about <laughs> exploitation. Right. Um. But uh, apparently now it's also about microbes and exploitation, which I would be happy to talk about forever. Right, but, but we're not talking about that. So let's, if we get people's right now. hopes up, then they're going to feel exploited. Um, <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so this episode um, on love and exploitation is with Mark Flynn, who we have heard from before. Um, great guy. He talked yeah. to us about stress and um, how stress is essentially this way of like stressing people out as a way of zombifying them. Mm -hmm. But he has a really interesting, unique idea about what love is and um, has something to do with exploitation. All right. Well, uh, I can't wait to listen. But first, should we listen to our review? Yes, yes. Um, right. Let's let's hear from our listeners. All right. This is from Lee Kronk. And Lee says, I've been zombified by this podcast. This podcast confirms what I've long suspected. People greatly overestimate the degree to which they are conscious, they're in conscious control of what they do and underestimate the many things that shape their behavior in subtle and not so subtle ways. Plus, it's fun just to listen to experts who are so enthusiastic and knowledgeable about their topics. Yeah, it is fun to listen to those experts. That's right. So now we get to listen to Mark Flynn, yes. expert yes. of love. Yes, um, so. but we do have one more thing before we get into that, which is that if you want to write a review, That's right. you can go on Apple Podcasts, write a review, and then... Enter into a drawing to win you have to go a also free on Twitter. Zombified t-shirt. Yes, right. So, yeah, so, so you, you copy and you paste your review. You put it on Twitter and you tag Zombified Pod. Yes. So then we can see you did it and we'll enter you um, to win a awesome Zombified t-shirt that has the floating head on the front and Zombified, your source for fresh brains on the back. If you want to see what they look like, you can go onto our website. And if you just can't wait to get one, um, then you can buy you one. You just buy one, which you, you'll you'll want to because you'll love these t-shirts. They're pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. You can also buy a sticker if you don't want to go all in with the t-shirt. You're not ready to do the deep <laughs> just dive. To commit. <laughs> like, yeah. You're just like yeah. Just, you can do the sticker. So. Um, so. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, um, the other thing that we need to discuss briefly is the launch of season two. That's right. That's coming up very, very soon on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So you could tune in and listen to it with someone you love. Yeah. Or by yourself and think about how you're not zombified by love. 
either way, you know. That's right. Yeah, because Valentine's Day is kind of a, you know, people think of it as a special thing for people who are together with somebody, who people who are zombified. But I think there's also something nice about acknowledging you're not having a large burden of zombification on a, on a day. That's right. You can, like if you day. are on your own on Valentine's Day, you'll be completely autonomous and you can use that autonomy to choose to listen to our podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hear from Mark Flynn. Great. I know it's crazy, but it seems so logical. Try to fight it, but it's something psychological with you. Makes me act the way I do. I'm not trying to be over-analytical. Retracing time to remind myself how ugly this could be. But something else is taking over me. Welcome back to Zombified. We're really excited to have you be here for one of our mini episodes in between seasons. So, um, you know, we had to follow up about this love and exploitation question. So that's what we're, we're doing here today with this little mini episode. But before we get into that, I just want to give you the chance to introduce yourself in your own words for everybody who's listening. Well, I'm Mark Flynn. I'm a professor at Baylor University in the Department of Anthropology. Um, I'm an anthropologist. I'm really interested in hormones and uh, evolutionary theory. And I've been interested in this perplexing enigma of why humans fall in love and how they fall in love and what it's about. Um, it's a, yeah, pretty cool yeah. question. Right. So you have a very interesting definition of love. Would you share it with us? I'm not sure if it's fair to call it a definition. Let's just say it's an aspect or a quality okay. of love. Um, so... Love involves a relationship, and in a relationship there are, there's give, giving and taking, and uh, normally one would expect to be a rational actor and like to uh, have a, a, you know, a fair, so to speak, uh, give and take, but uh, when you're under the delusion of love, um, that sense of accounting seems to fly out the window. So in some ways, um, both in reality and uh, in the perception of the mind, uh, we could think of love, being in love, as a condition uh, in which you enjoy being exploited. And uh, I, I would say particularly if this is a mutual enjoyment of counter-exploitation, exploitation and counter-exploitation, uh, which makes sense in, in that you trust your partner. You give freely because you love that person. They give to you 
because they're in love with you. There's no accounting, no... No uh, keeping track? No, yeah, no prenuptials. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You you are just, um, you know, gosh, the thought of hopping out of bed and fixing breakfast is a joy. (laughs) Um, You know, to to bring that back to your partner, um, whatever it is uh, Mm -hmm. that you you can do for them, uh, giving is highly pleasurable. Hmm. Do you think that's a universal thing for people? Like when they're in love, they enjoy giving without expecting something? Or is is it different for different people? Well, you know, the, we all have a sample of one. In that, mm-hmm. You know, we can sort of sense what's going on in our own heads. Yeah. And my assessment is that my oxytocin levels and, you know, the other reward systems, dopamine and serotonin and, you know, other complicated systems are, are very sensitive to this um, response. So, uh, you know, when I'm in the state of falling in love, being exploited uh, is nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's great. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's also, I think, uh, good to feel that your partner um is also yeah, doing that. Is in a similar state of mind mm-hmm. of uh, allowing exploitation of themselves by you. So um, yeah, there's a deep trust. Um, exploit me. Um, <laughs> I'll exploit you. <laughs> so then it kind of brings up like, what do we mean by exploit, exploit. right? Because it, it yeah. I mean, if you have this yes. mutual giving without account keeping then you know in the end one individual isn't really exploiting the other over the long term right in the in the short term it may be that you're you know you're you're giving and giving and enjoying the giving but you don't actually get exploited if the other party's doing the same thing Yes. Well, you know, mating relationships are tricky. So we can look at this falling in love in in different contexts. So, you know, I remember falling in love with my children. So I became very rapidly addicted uh, to holding my babies and, you know, exploit me. I will carry (laughs) you. I will feed you. I will do anything for you. This has continued on through college and... <laughs> You're still carrying them around and feeding them, uh, in effect, <laughs> and and loving it. You know that exploitation. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a logical life history transition where you're hoping that your children will become independent, and but um, yeah, perhaps I suppose certainly in some cultures it's an expectation that the the reverse exploitation is eventually going to happen when you know you're old and senile and, and need their help so you've got sort of a need based expectation of exploitation but with mates there's the potential for this ultimate of common interests which is reproduction sexually reproducing an offspring who has 50% of each of your genes so you 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 have this remarkable overlap of interests or the potential yes, to have the it. potential, yes. And uh, it's perhaps the case that uh, 
putting oneself in that mindset makes that outcome more likely. So when we look at mate choice and the development of, of mating relationships, uh, falling in love and the vulnerabilities that are involved with that, um, gosh, what could be better than having a partner who will allow you to exploit them in whatever fashion you see fit? You know, it's, it's the mm-hmm. ultimate. Um, but that, yeah. Hmm, so you think there's almost like a signaling going on that you would be a good parent because you love being exploited? Not just a good parent. <laughs> you know, you're a good lover, a good provider, a you mm. know, good back scratcher, you know, the whole nine, a good cook, whatever it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm the I'm the person you want to be with. I'm the person that uh, you, you want to make an offspring with. Hmm. Um, you know, there are going to be some male-female differences here, obviously, you know, some ways from a male perspective it is this is great um you're going to allow my genes to parasitize um you know your ability to invest in a a embryo and fetus and infant Mm -hmm. um and you know maybe i'll be involved in helping you with that but gosh maybe i won't Mm. (laughs) so it's it gets a bit tricky. So there's the potential there for deception. Deception and cheating and self-deception, I think, is absolutely key to this because, uh, and maybe pushing it towards an ultimate honesty because this information is so important that to get it right um, is, is critical. So, you know, if you really want to pull this off you really want that person to fall in love with you and you know have the whole thing work um you know you you may drive it closer and closer to a real honesty of intentions what do you mean by that that i am willing to invest whatever it takes for you to uh, uh-huh. want to be with me and reproduce with me so it's sort of like the systems are getting like they're evolving to be better at detecting yes, absolutely. the cheating yep, and yep. and that at some point it actually becomes more worth it to not cheat than to try to deceive yeah yes i think that's right interesting yeah hmm. um, and you know there are going to be levels of sophistication there and you know there may be an ontogeny involved too so when you're a 16 year old dating for the first time um, all those mechanisms might not quite be in place and you, you might expect that that would have been a consistent thing in human evolutionary history and so the, the way the system works when you're 16 could be different than when you're 36. You mean that there'll be a difference in how people fall in love when they're younger than when they're older? Yes, and the, the detection systems that are engaged. So people will get better at detecting cheating as they age? Yes, and and because of that, one's incentive to be more and more honest would increase. Oh. All depending on the partner you're with, but yeah. Hmm. Interesting idea. Yeah, there there clearly could be taking advantage of situations. So, you know, if you've got, you know, a strategy for exploiting someone who's younger and maybe less experienced, um, Hmm. that might be a tactic. Hmm. Parents might uh, rightfully be concerned about um, their young daughters going out with older men. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So 
in terms of the zombification question, right? If I mean, if you love being exploited, right? If you're enjoying being taken advantage of, uh, or maybe not taken advantage of, but giving, yes. whether it's to a romantic partner or eat, to a eat child. My, eat my brain. <laughs> Take my brain and consume what you need. Uh-huh. Manipulate it. Control it. I trust you. Hmm. So, yeah, it's falling in love. is um, it's, it's like mutual zombification. Uh, if we sort of take that another step, too, I mean, one of the advantages of mutual zombification can be potentially more effective coordination. That is key. Yeah, you have a coalition that is so much more eff- effective than when you don't have that sharing. So mm-hmm. a, a bond in which you understand one another and you trust one another, um, you know, you can have, I think, just a way more effective mm-hmm. strategy for... Because you're like sharing your brains and you're yep. responding yep. You're to help, each other's you, nervous systems. You have and a, joined, uh-huh. you know, in a common interest. Uh-huh. And the more you in, enjoy... Um, the more effective you can be as partners. Mm -hmm. But then also the more you're putting on the line, the more vulnerable you are to actually being possibly exploited in the long term. Yeah. And, you know, presumably we've got some systems in place for assessing that, but I don't think you want to assess that in the short term because then you're telling your partner, I don't trust you. I want to test you. I, you know, I'm constantly uh, wary. Um, I, mm-hmm. I'm not believing this mm-hmm. relationship is one of this mutual yeah. vulnerability. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think. And if you look at the evidence from neuroimaging, one of the, the real curious findings of individuals falling in love is that contrary to what I think would be a, a reasonable expectation here, the parts of your brain that are involved in detecting deception um, get turned off rather than enhanced, which That's I mean, insane. Of, it's insane. Of all, uh, it's a clear zombification effect. Yeah. So, you know, your brain has been taken over its defense mechanisms turned off mm-hmm. so that you can be exploited. Mm-hmm. Now, why would you do this? If not the signal that was going back to your potential partner of, wow, this person really trusts me. I really trust them. And you mutually give the keys to your heart, to your brain, <laughs> to that other person. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what more ultimate signal of joined effort than that? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you're constantly sending signals of, I don't trust you, I don't, you know, yeah. I, I, I got to test you. Then that's not going to happen. Not going to work as well. Right. But it does leave you vulnerable. To being exploited. Yes, it does. So it leaves you vulnerable to being exploited. So then there must be some 
system, some mechanisms that help us to detect that we're being exploited at some point, right? If right. So I'll tell you what I think is absolutely critical there. Family and friends. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So you don't think we have the systems inside us, or, or we do to a certain extent? To a but certain we need, extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to vary, too, by individual. So if you have a history of getting exploited, you might be way less trusting. And that can go back to your infancy in the development of a, a trusting bond with your family and others, you know, how... Mm-hmm. How, how sort of uh, entrenched is that in the algorithms that you have for relationships mm-hmm. so yeah I mean falling in love is one thing but just you know friends um, you know work partners um, you know there are these systems in place where you're trying to establish a bond at an appropriate level mm-hmm. and um Vulnerability mm-hmm. is, you know, willingness to be exploited is often part of that. Mm-hmm. So when you take a new job, you're basically, or to get the job, mm-hmm. you know, part of what you're doing is saying, oh, giant right. corporation. <laughs> yeah, I won't name names, but, you know, <laughs> Google, please exploit me. <laughs> um, I'm going to be a great worker for you mm-hmm. at, at a great cost. Um, mm-hmm. And sure what the back and forth is there between the corporation and you but um yeah, yeah I, I guess a salary is yeah <laughs> right something like yeah that, you know, exploitation so the the importance of family and friends in the sort of you know detection mechanism can you say another word or two about that oh well yeah i think you're a huge handicap if you don't have someone who you can trust to to uh you know go talk to co-ruminate um you know is this relationship a good one um are there aspects of it that are troubling Mm -hmm. um how do i deal with that Mm -hmm. and um if it's not dealt with you know what are the whoa wake up here Mm -hmm. turn on the defense mechanisms Mm -hmm. uh and uh maybe back out back off Mm -hmm. um your commitment in that Mm -hmm. relationship and Mm -hmm. if you don't have family and friends to help you, um, it's just really difficult to have a, yeah. you know, if you're only looking at something from one perspective, you know, and, and yeah. it's a very limited assessment it's of... A perspective that involves you being zombified. Yes. And whereas <laughs> if you've got others who are, you know, detached from that emotional whirlwind... Um, they can give you more rational advice and mm-hmm. d- detect exploitation. Uh-huh. On the other hand, they may have a vested interest in um, you are not pursuing that relationship. So, oh. Yeah. So you still have to figure it out yourself. That's huh? right. You still yeah. have to understand that, oh gosh, my sister is you know, got a, a little different interest than me in this relationship because it might be pulling me apart from her and Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah we humans need really big brains um to feed the zombies uh but we also need the brains of others to help us to sort out what is or isn't zombifying us it's a giant collective brain Mm -hmm. that is constantly zombifying itself (laughs) so 
what would be some practical advice for for love here? Like if you, you know, you want to be able to find that kind of love where you can enjoy being exploited, but at the same time not open yourself up to being exploited by somebody who doesn't also buy into the the zombification of the whole thing. Well, yeah. Um, you know, the bright side is just hand a potential partner the spoon and open up your brain and invite them to partake. <laughs> the dark side of it is... Um, you might end up without a brain if you aren't careful. Well, I think that happens to all of us. <laughs> and in terms of finding love and uh, and being able to jump in, if I if I read you right from our earlier conversation, it's it's important to actually oh I'll... jump jump in the right places. Yeah, be uh-huh. extremely picky. I think, mm-hmm. and understand what your criteria are. I, mm-hmm. That's just... Mm-hmm. You don't want to get burned. Don't, yeah. don't start a fire in the wrong place, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if love is about enjoying being exploited. exploited. Yeah, you don't no. want to open yourself up to that with yeah, the wrong person. I don't, I don't even want to you know, go into social media and that whole world of potential exploitation there. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, um, the normal social environments in which one would have found a mate mm-hmm. and they would have found you have got a lot of important constraints. When you're out there on Zeusk or, you know, any... Tinder. Or, Tinder, yeah, yeah. You know, you're in a different, different novel social mm-hmm. environment that you're... Willingness to be exploited um, is, uh, Mm. you know, that's a... So maybe modern love, at least the way it often manifests on dating apps, is not really about enjoying being exploited? I tend to, yes. Hmm. Well, you know, it's a a very limited domain of exploitation. Uh (laughs) It's about enjoying just some sort of mutual zombification, but not necessarily... The deep... Mm-hmm. long-term mm-hmm. zombification. So, mm. yeah, just a, a tasty hors d'oeuvre of the brain mm. as opposed to the, the full-course mm. meal. Mm. So that sort of implies that humans were pretty flexible about the uh, the time frame of zombification that we're going to enter into, maybe? Is that part of what's going on? Well, I don't know. I mean, novel environments are tricky. Yeah. So, you know, the modern environment is mm-hmm. maybe not what our zombification strategies mm-hmm. are adapted to mm-hmm. so the potential for different kinds of exploitation um, could be yeah yeah well I, I mean there is a whole dark side to this which is not just like you know within relationships that are reasonable having some imbalance that might be bad but then there's the dark side which is you know serious exploitation that can happen in abusive relationships and sex trafficking and you know all of these things that are potentially exploiting these attachment systems as well 
Yeah, that, that is certainly not a circumstance in which you want to enjoy being exploited. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's some clear lines there. Yeah, and there's got to be some point where one stops enjoying it, right? Well, stops enjoying being exploited once it, it crosses some threshold, right? I, I mean, our brains certainly aren't designed to enjoy, enjoy being that. exploited when well, it's no. becoming completely clear that what's happening is not in your best interests and, you know, your choice is constrained and you're yeah. definitely a dark side there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, well, I guess we'll have to look into all these things a little bit more as we develop our, um, program for the next zombie apocalypse medicine meeting. Cause our themes are sex and technology and whole issue of, love and exploitation and coercion and consent and all of this, I think there's a lot of important issues to... We will look forward to Valentine's Day. Yeah. You've got that Cupid's arrow and your your heart is sitting there waiting to be pierced. That's right. Yeah. I know. Maybe, yeah, you should put a, a, a zombie a Cupid. Zo- <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, with, For this Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. and the brain is the target rather than Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yes. Pierce the brain with the zombie Cupid arrow. With the, the, the real target being those oxytocin receptors. Right. Yeah. Well. The ventral palladium is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll consult you on the anatomy for that illustration. Well, Mark, thank you so much for sharing your brain and maybe also a little bit of your heart in this episode. I have thoroughly enjoyed this exploitation. (laughs) And if the whole world says that we're crazy, we don't need nobody anyhow. But if you don't want to fall in love, you better tell me right now. And if the whole world says that we're crazy, Zombified is a production of Arizona State University and the Zombie Apocalypse Medicine Alliance. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Zombified Pod and on Patreon as Zombified. We are a totally educational podcast. We have no ads. So if you can spare a dollar, maybe five each month to support us, we would very, very much appreciate that. So you can easily... Go on Patreon, become a patron. Um, And uh, if 
you want to just look up more things about our podcast, find our merchandise, go to zombify.org. That's right. And don't forget our Valentine's Day date we're launching, and uh, we're hoping you're going to spend it with us, and we'll be very heartbroken if you don't. Yes, because we love you. Exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> so please, please join us. So for... yeah, tune in. Tune in on Valentine's Day. Uh, so we'll be launching our second season. Whole new season. Zombified. And who do we have? Who do we have in that second season? We have so many awesome people, including Diana Fleischman, who's going to be with us for the live launch and many other very, very smart and creative scientists and artists and just great thinkers in general. All right. Okay. So want to just give a shout out to all the brains who help us make this podcast. Tal Ram, who does our sound. Neil Smith, who is our phenomenal illustrator. Lemmy, the creator of the song, Psychological, and to everyone on the Actifus Lab Z team for helping to make this podcast possible. And thank you for listening to Zombified, we your you. source for brain snacks. I know it's crazy, but it seems so logical. I can't deny that there is something supernatural with you.